that is a challenge that people could go away and start to do. The next time someone comes to you with something and you think, I think they could figure this out for themselves, refuse to tell, only ask, Mm. and see if you can get them to to come to the, the, the answer themselves. And that's how you kind of start to build a leadership culture. But yeah, we've seen that kind of flow through then, flow through a company. Hi, I'm Cameron from Smooth Digital and welcome to Tea with Toby, the show where we ask and answer the questions playing in the minds of the care sector's business leaders. This week's episode is sponsored by Everylife Technologies and we're going to kick off the show with a few words from our marketing strategy director, Toby Ali Usman. Cameron, thank you for the intro. For those of you that are new to the show, just to give you a bit of background, here at Smooth Digital, our main focus is to help care homes and home care businesses maximise their ability to provide the very best care in their communities. And in order to do that, they're going to need to grow. Now, we know care business leaders have a number of challenges when it comes to growth. So we want this to be the place where you could put on a kettle, have some tea and enjoy a growth focused conversation and hopefully you can take away some actionable tips where you can implement into your business. And on that note, I would like to invite our first guest, Sophie. Hello. Thanks for being here. Round of applause for yeah. Sophie. <laughs> this is what you're yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Sophie, just before we start, for yeah. the benefit of the audience, could you give us a little background about who you are and your area of expertise? Yes. So um, I'm Sophie Coulthard. I work for a company called Judgment Index. So we do we work with care companies and we help support them in all sorts of ways with their recruitment and retention, um, with their leadership development as well. Um, my personal background is sales and marketing, really. Mm. But I grew up with uh, a dad who was a performance coach so I was always involved in leadership and you know when school holidays I'd be sat in the back of a room somewhere watching him kind of run leadership workshops and you don't realize how much you absorb yeah and sure. um, so so we now work together um, and then the other thing that I do that probably if anybody recognizes my voice is I host the uh, road to outstanding podcast as well which is a podcast about sharing best practice tips, ideas uh, with people in the care sector. Brilliant. So now people can put a face to the voice. Yes. We've got the queen, the original queen of podcasts in the the care sector here. And it's nice to be this side. But it's different. (laughs) So in Tea with Toby fashion, let's jump into the questions. Mm. Now the first thing I wanted to, the first sort of topic I wanted to discuss was culture. Right. Now that's on everyone's lips. It was Peter Drucker that said, culture eats strategy for breakfast and I also agree I think you can achieve some amazing things with the right culture in a company now the question I have for you is why should care companies not only have and develop the right culture but the right leadership culture Okay, so it's interesting because I used that quote in an article that I wrote just before Christmas. (laughs) Um, Yes, uh, culture, I think the first thing to think about is people just quite often talk about a good culture or a bad culture, but there's all sorts of different types of culture that you can have within a company. So you could have a very, very much a learning culture, you know, where people are encouraged to learn and develop. 
Um, you can have, you know, a, a clicky culture where everyone is, you know, very clicky and it can have that kind of toxic culture that we yeah. hear about quite often. Um, but I think a leadership culture is a great thing for care companies mm. to, to strive to have. Um, there, we need more leaders in care. Um, I think we need more leaders <laughs> in all sorts of industries, but that's yeah. a different conversation. And one thing I find is, quite often if I talk about leadership in front of a room, I'll ask, ask people to put their hands up and say, who here is a leader? And so many people don't put their hands up, mm. even when you're in a room of people who might be team leaders, deputies, ma even managers. Yeah. They might think of themselves as a manager, but not a leader. Right. We're all leaders. Yeah. It, you're a leader, you're a leader. If you're not the leader of a, a team, you're at least the leader of yourself. And I think in care, you are often leading the people that you care for mm. at at a very basic level and so I think if we can start to develop that mindset of how can we encourage our, our staff and our teams to think like leaders, problem solve for themselves and, and kind of develop a culture where people do think of themselves as, as a leader yeah. in some way, then that will start to develop a culture where people are more self-sufficient um, can make decisions for themselves yeah. and that will help a company to to kind of thrive and it will also help the leader as in the manager who is probably quite bogged down with having to tell people what to do all the time mm. and so I think there's there's lots of benefits to kind of thinking how can I develop a, a leadership culture within my home or, or company so for someone listening to this today Let's say, you know, they head up a company, what can they do to sort of support and encourage leadership in their, in the company? I think there's definitely a lot more that, that places can do, I can see, in terms of um, giving responsibility. Mm. Um, there are all sorts of roles that people could take on. I know we see roles such as activities coordinators, but even things like a lot of people are reluctant to give social media to members mm. of staff. Um, and members, I'm sure you, you probably talked about this, so it's probably a hot topic for you, but you know, to give people that extra bit of responsibility and test the water with them, you know, give them some safe boundaries to work within, there's all sorts, you know, you could have an events, little events team of people thinking about um, how they could run events for a care company, uh, charity, you know, raising funds, uh, there's, there's all sorts of ways that you could start to test people and give them a little bit more of extra responsibility um, that will help them to feel valued um, and hopefully start to bring that side out of them. So I know there's probably some listeners here who, how can I put this, they are control freaks. Yep. And <laughs> usually if you're going to allow someone to take on a project, they... Um, have to be willing to allow an environment for them to maybe make a mistake. Mm -hmm. Now, have you got is there as have you got any examples of companies that maybe you've worked with that you know that they've taken on a project successfully and they've built on that and they've ran on it? I can think of I can think of a company that we've worked with um, where they had a lot 
of very young leaders. So they had quite a young workforce and they really identified that they needed to start thinking about their team leaders will be their next deputies, will be their next managers. And how can we start to kind of give them some tools to support them um, and develop them so that they're ready for it? you know we worked with them over a number of months and kind of taught them a lot of things a lot of things which are in the book which I'm sure we'll talk about later Mm. um I think the important thing with people who are control freaks and I know this because I am one myself is it's very it can be very easy and what I've seen within a care home time is short a manager's job has got more tasks and you know processes and admin than ever before Mm. sometimes it is a lot easier to just tell people what to do Mm. especially in a morning meeting or if somebody comes to you with an issue the quickest way to get something done is to say do this do that but it's not allowing people to think for themselves Mm. one thing that we talk about a lot that we always try and instill with everyone that we work with is to learn how to coach and a lot of managers say that they coach, but I see, I've seen sort of managers in action when I've sort of gone in and shadowed them for the day, and they'll say, okay, I'm gonna coach. And coaching is really all about asking questions, asking open questions, and believing that the person can find the answer within themselves. Mm-hmm. And if the people are listening to this now, I would say think about your team, and think about actually, do they know the answers within themselves? But whether it's confidence or whether it's obviously lacking that that leadership culture within the company, that stops them from doing thinking for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. They come to you, they ask the question, they want you to, to perhaps tell them what to do because they're going to feel, I guess, safer in that. Yeah. But start to ask them questions. Start to not give not don't give them the answer see if you can tease it out of them mm. now when i w- i've watched managers do this and they start off well and then they get a bit frustrated exactly, yeah. <laughs> and and it's a lot easier to to tell them yeah and that is a challenge that people could go away and start to do the next time someone comes to you with something and you think i think they could figure this out for themselves refuse to tell only ask mm. and see if you can get them to to come to the 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 answer themselves and that's how you kind of start to build a leadership culture but yeah we've seen that kind of flow through then flow through a company excellent so question i have is how can companies empower their staff Mm. and it seems like confidence is you touched on confidence earlier what can they be doing to empower their staff that's a bit of a trick question (laughs) i think because i'll I don't think companies should be empowering every member of their team. Um, If you have a team member who is lacking in motivation, lacking in skills and knowledge, and you empower that team member to go off and do something, Mm. first of all, is it going to get done? And secondly, if they don't have the skills to do it and they do fail, that could knock their confidence Mm, for next time. So it's about empowering the right people and it's about then the the people who aren't ready to be Mm. empowered for whatever reason, how do you either motivate them or guide them or get them to a stage where you can empower them? I think empower is such a buzzword and everybody's thinking how can we empower our staff? But if it's not used in the right way, 
then that can be potentially a bit dangerous mm. <laughs> within a care company. Um, I've got, I've actually got something. Can I just yeah, show yeah, you? Yeah. So, so this is a really practical. I always want to give practical yeah. ideas. We to love people. it. We're all about. I appreciate that if people are listening to this and not watching it, then let's see if I can make this make sense for people. But well, I'm sure we can put a link in. Yeah, the, we, we always yeah. put a link to anything anyway. So I can give you this as it. a PDF. But for people right. who are watching, so really, really good little exercise that you can go and do. Maybe when you're at home with a glass of wine. Mm or tea, or whatever your yeah. tipple of choice is. Um, I should say tea, really, shouldn't I? Yeah, we have, here. We have <laughs> With a cup of tea. And, and I would also say, if you're going to do this exercise, be wary that it's about your staff and it's about your team. So mm. you might you don't want to leave this lying around somewhere where somebody could pick it up. Yeah. Um, but it's quite simple. You simply just draw a grid, uh, a, like a box, and, and divide it into four sections on, on the page. And then what you want to have is, um, what would you call this, an axis mm. or something? Yep. You would have, um, so this is called a skill will matrix. So yeah. anybody could Google skill will matrix and find this online. It's, it wasn't invented by me, um, but it is a really great tool. And I've used it with my own teams when I've kind of in the past, when I've had sales teams and things like that. Um, people who have either got a high will or a low will. They're either very enthusiastic and motivated or really can't be bothered. Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got high skill and low skill. You've got your experienced members of staff who know what they're doing, qualified, you know, or you've got people who aren't skilled for whatever reason. That could be somebody who you've taken on who's got no experience in the care sector whatsoever, mm. but, you know, they've got, you've brought them in. So they yeah. wouldn't have any skill. That's not necessarily their fault right yeah. now. And then what you do is you think about your immediate team. Now, you might want to do this in teams if you have a big home or, you know, if you've got a small team of, let's say, six or seven, however you want to do it, mm. you start to plot them on here. Mm. So I'm thinking about a member of my team and I'm thinking, right, they're, they're actually really, really motivated. They're brand new. They're excited to get started, but they don't have any skill at the moment. Mm. So I would have them up here for high will, but... They're low skilled, so they'd be here as opposed to there if yeah. they were highly skilled. I do. Here's one I made earlier. I did have one. I've used your names as well. Hey. So let's say Toby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Cameron. Toby. It's all right. Highly skilled, really experienced, really motivated, really high willed. He's up in this top right hand box. Now, I'll, I'll show you what the boxes mean in a second, but this is somebody who you can empower. And actually, it would be damaging if you didn't empower this person. If this person's being told what to do on a daily basis, this motivation is slowly going to dwindle yeah. because they're not feeling like they can get on with the job. They feel yeah. like they're always being told what to do. That could cause this person to start to look elsewhere. Yeah. You know, let me go somewhere where I am valued and appreciated because I know what I'm doing and I'm competent and I'm, I'm enthusiastic. Yeah. Um, obviously, I've talked about this one, high will but low skill, Cameron. I'm this, sure you this, are skilled. Well, really. This is about making tea, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. Then this person really needs to be guided. They need to have, um, you know, they need, they need, you would be wanting to upskill this person as quickly as possible. Mm. You'd probably want to kind of make this person their mentor. Yeah. So yeah. that they can, you know, really help them develop because you want to get them over here as soon as possible so you can empower them and let them get on with it. Now, someone down here is going to be a little bit of a problem for you. And 
somebody who's really highly skilled, probably someone who's worked for you for a long time, but they have got that kind of mentality now where they really can't be bothered. And mm. when I, if I ever talk about this, you normally hear chuckles from people because they know they have someone yeah. like this on mm. their team. Difficult. Are you going to empower that person? Yes, they're capable of getting the job done, but they're, are they going to do it? Mm. Um, and then obviously this person down here is a real issue uh, because you know if they don't have the skills and they're also not motivated, this person could be damaging to the rest of your team even. Mm. You know, bad apple <laughs> can, can spoil the crop. So, so if you go and have a look at a skill wheel matrix, plot your staff, and then these are the different options that you have. And obviously we probably don't have time to go into all of this, but to give people an idea, yeah. the people who are up here, yes, empower them. The people down here, you're going to have to tell them what to do and they're probably going to take up all your time. Mm. Um, but if you want to start to really develop a leadership culture, plot your people and start to think, how can I get them up here? What is the best way for me to lead them? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's very cool, clear. isn't it? So, so just for the audio, it's high skill, high will, you empower. Low will, low skill, you direct them. Yes, yeah. yeah. So a question for you, who should people try and attract because I know from that grid loads of people are attracting people who have loads of experience are yeah. probably applying on Indeed for loads of different jobs yeah. job hopping but mm. they fall into the low will high skill <laughs> yeah so yeah, you're going to have to try and find some motivation from within them. Mm. You know, what attracted them to the sector in the first place? Mm. If they've been here for, you know, if they've been in the sector for a long time and they're experienced, yeah, the job hoppers, the people who, oh, what is it about care that, that brought them into the sector in the first place? And most people that I speak to, they have got a story of why they why they ended up in this sector, mm. well, not, sorry, not ended up, why they joined the sector, yeah. you know, but, but if they're down here, if they're not, if they've got a really low will in that sense, um, it, they're going to be tough, it's going <laughs> to mm. be a tough, I, I mean, we say in the book sometimes, are they going to be worth your effort, or is it time to kind of find them gainful employment somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but really, I, and I am hearing a lot of people start to say now, let's find people who are motivated. We can teach them the mm. rest. So I saw you, you've got a copy of the book underneath there. Yes. You know, you could just, <laughs> so th this is an amazing. Without plugging it. Yeah, no, yeah. Feel, feel free. I, I, I recommend, definitely. <laughs> I've had a, had, a, had a read of this myself and it's very practical and we, we love uh, practicality. Practical. Practicality. <laughs> so the question I have for you, one of the questions, in, uh, one of the subjects in there is about recruitment and retention. You, yeah. you touch on it mm. and you touch on how some people are moving now to a sort of uh, values-based recruitment. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what values-based recruitment is and why it's important for a care business? Yeah, so I think it's important to book a point out that the book is, you know, it's the Care Leaders Handbook, it's a mm. leadership book, but recruitment and retention do come into yeah. leadership. Yeah. Uh, you know, it it's quite often falls under the manager's uh, role as well. And I think um, values-based recruitment, it was made popular by Skills for Care, and they do a lot of work uh, looking at values-based recruitment and how you can attract people with the right values. Mm. A little bit like what we were just talking about. Yeah. People who've got something that is uh, that's driven them to come and work in this sector. Um, 
I think the problem and, and the way I talk about it in, a, in potentially a slightly different way or a, a new way, is that give people something new to think about, is that care company values are often the same in every... You go from one home to another to another, caring. So people watching right now, do you have caring? Yeah. Do you have respect? Do you have... Passion, compassionate. Yeah, mm. all of these words, they're they're overused in that sense. I'm fair enough because that's, that is what the sector's about. But I think the problem is it's all very well having values and trying to attract people that, that match those values. But they kind of get, they lose their kind of meaning when yeah. they're just the same and when they're just words on a wall. Mm. And I actually walked past a building on my way here and they had some words on the wall, be humble, this, that, the other. And I thought, I wonder how many people actually think, oh yeah, we live by those values. And that's quite often the issue, is that values are not, first of all, owned by the staff that work there. They've been given to them by a marketing team somewhere yeah. up in yeah. their office. Yeah. And they've been told, these are, your val- these are the values. You know, and if somebody came up to you, you know, if I came up to you, Cameron, and said, right, you're working here, your values are this, this, and this, you might think, but but they're not my values. (laughs) (laughs) They need to be owned by the team. And Mm. I think one way that people can do this is actually get together with a team, have a little workshop, you know, get some tea in, get a bit of cake. It can be a relaxed, casual thing. Take your values, whatever they may be, three or four is ideal, not too many, and, and say, okay, if we took this value of respect... I want you to all have a bit of a brainstorm now, get some coloured paper, all that kind of thing. What does that mean? Or what does that mean to you and what does that mean here? And it's interesting because I've done this workshop with managers before and they say, and I've had people say to me, well, it, it means respecting the residents and that's it, it can't mean anything else. Mm-hmm. But if you get a team of people together that deliver care and you ask them what respect means, they might come out with quite different ideas. Yes, it might include that, but actually for for us as a team, what does it mean? It means we respect each other. Mm. Um, We give each other the same respect that we would give a resident. Mm. And they might go, oh yeah, I like that. That that means something to us. And that is a value that we might not live by right now, but that's the value we should live by. Not changing the word, not changing the word respect. Don't have to paint over your your wall, but it's it's developing it more into what I call a culture statement that the the staff can get on board with. Yes, let's live by this. Sure. And I think that's once you've got that coming back to values based recruitment. Now you can start to think right. Well, that's what respect means here. So in my job ad, in my social media posts, in my I don't know what else, blog, newsletter, (laughs) we're going to pick out this and it's not just going to be respect is one of our values. It's going to be our staff really believe this. This is something that we live by. If you think that too, then come and work with us. And somebody might read that and go, yeah, actually, I work somewhere at the moment where the staff don't have the same respect for each other. I want to go and work somewhere that that believes in that. Um... And I think that's how you can take your values further. They're not just words on a wall anymore. They're not just something that's, you know, values-based recruitment. Yeah. What is it unless you kind of make it mean something? Brilliant. So just whilst we're on it, 
Mm. Tell us a little bit more about the book and what made you sort of write it. Um, we run leadership workshops, academies, up and down the country for, for care companies, but not all care companies can afford these types of services. You know, we're, we're very lucky that we work with companies that do um, have the ability and have the funds to put on these kind of uh, workshops for, for their staff. And we thought, how can we get it out there to more people? Um, you know, anybody can pick up a copy of the book and actually they can take some of the ideas and some of the, the things that we teach and put them into practice. And okay, it might not be the same as having someone yeah. come in and really yeah. work with you. Um, but I think to be able to get it out there and have people read it and go, I'm gonna go and try that actually. Um, you know, obviously I believe in giving people value and, and content and as well as that, it makes a great uh, a great kind of reference for people who have done work with us. Yeah. Um, because they come on and they might be doing a workshop once a month for five months, six months, something like that. And then they go away and you get back on with your life. Mm. And it's something that they can refer to as well. Um, and everything in there, um, you know, this skill wheel matrix that I showed earlier, yeah. it's all in there and it's all, people can download things online, resources and um, yeah. So One very practical. Practical. Just, just before your next question, Toby, yes. let's just take a short break mm. and we'll be back with you guys very quickly. Toby, we really need private paying clients into our care business. We don't understand the world of digital technology, digital marketing. What should we do? Look, that's the question we get a lot from businesses within the community. So what we've done is we've put together an ebook called the Care Growth Blueprint, which is a step-by-step -step guide on the marketing steps you need to put in place to attract private paying clients into your business. So download the ebook. The link should be in the description below and enjoy the rest of the show. Hi everyone, welcome back and we'll start again with some more questions from Toby. Yes, so the question I have for you, and I guess the listeners will be really interested in, it's actually a subject uh, in the book, is what is the common traits that you find in outstanding leaders? Yes, um, okay, so really interesting actually. So we were asked to get involved in some research uh, with a chap called Seddy Frederick, mm -hmm. uh, who runs Articles Consulting, so I'll give him a little plug. And he was really interested in, you know, outstanding tends to be kind of the benchmark, and, and we know what makes an outstanding home, and there's lots been done on that, but what, what makes an outstanding manager? What mm -hmm. What is it that these managers have in common because there's no outstanding home without an outstanding manager. I think people would probably agree with that. And so is there a way that we can look at what these outstanding managers have in common? So uh, he ran a survey and, and captured a lot of information. And then we use the judgment index, which is the assessment that we use that measures what we call values-based behaviours, and had a look at what what was coming out of that research obviously we had no idea what what was going to come out um that, that is going to show us something that might be a key mm. and what was really interesting is that all of the outstanding managers they might have different personalities from each other but the traits that they had in our assessment results were all so close they were so strong in how similar they were, and um, but also their strength in their kind of what we call values-based behaviours. So I'll, I'll break that down a bit. So they were all very fast problem solvers. 
So their ability to kind of take in information, process, come up with quality decisions, think on their feet, um, handle difficult scenarios, all of these things they had in common really super strong. Uh, other things that they had in common, and obviously it breaks down all of it in the yeah. book, and there weren't really any things that were different that we, that you could say, well, this manager had this and this manager had that. Um, I found, the key thing that I found when I looked at the research, what they all had in common is they had what I like to call a solid foundation of themselves. Mm. So a lot of us, we can go to work and we can perform at work let's say not you know sing and dance but we we can get on with the job and we can do a good job but internally we might be lacking in confidence we might be really tough on ourselves and kind of beat ourselves up if if things don't go well and and have a lot of self-criticism we might have low self-esteem we might also have stress in our personal life you know everybody has things that happen in times of in their lives what all of these managers had in common was that they all had this ability to cope with whatever was going on in their own world. And when people are like that, you tend to get more out of them at work. So if the people kind of listening, watching now, think about their team, think about who comes into work and is consistent and does a good job, you know, doesn't cause you any drama, I quite often say, (laughs) will be the people that are cool in themselves don't have any issues they can handle things they kind of got that kind of i find it really difficult to explain they're cool i always say they're cool in themselves yeah self-confident self-assured and you get more out of them as a result the people who will cause you the biggest headache at work will be the people who have got all sorts going on either in their personal life or under the surface issues you know not to say obviously people have issues that happen but the fact that these managers all had this kind of foundation that meant that they could get so much done at work was a really key finding and it it explains it in a lot more detail in the book and there's some some kind of graphics that help break that down Um, i guess it's easier to sort of identify those traits in people that you've worked with so if you're sort of promoting from within it's mm. easier to do that but what about people who are just doing interviews and all they yeah. have is, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, and these people are sort of, if you like, acting. Mm-hmm. You can't really see that they're stressful in that scenario. So what can they do in that? Yeah, it's really tricky. And I think people, you know, if people think about think about hire that you made where mm. you thought this person's great, they're saying all the right things, yeah. they're, they're great in the interview, and then three months later you think, who was that person that I hired? <laughs> Everyone has a story like that. Yeah. And, you know, especially if you get these people who are job hoppers, who've moved around the care industry, they know what they should be answering. Yeah. Um, they know they what know... people want to hear. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, how do you get under the surface? Mm. How do you really start to... And I think there's some interesting questions that you can ask at interview. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes getting that... Um, getting yourself a bit more comfortable with knowing how to interview so that you can tease out of people what might be under the surface because that's probably going to be what gets in the way of them doing a good job um it won't be um you know the the and 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 that's the thing we we give people training in you know how to do a tasks or how to you know all, all this kind of compulsory training that we do 
Um, but there's not so much training on how to handle yourself personally, how to cope when you've got a lot of pressure. And, and it's the people who are good at those things that will do better. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could do a really good plug for the Judgment Index uh, now. It seems like it's right. And I mean, you know, I'm always conscious that it's not always possible for everybody to, to implement these types of things. Um, but, you know, looking at a tool where, like the Judgment Index, you know, we've worked with, we've had thousands of people take this assessment. Um, that, that does measure values-based behaviours that enables you to ask questions that... It just allows you to probe a bit deeper into, and we provide interview questions as well, that if somebody has an area that you think, okay, I'm going to ask another question around this. I'm going to ask them a bit more about, you know, this is telling me that they're not coping very well at work right now. So why is it that they're not coping? Is it something we can handle if we give them a job? Or actually, is it not the right person for the job and so yeah. when would be a good time so let's just create a scenario let's say you're hiring a, um, a manager you've yeah. got three people who are all saying the best things the right yeah, things yeah they would take this assessment mm -hmm. which will ask them a series of questions and what will happen afterwards what will happen once they've each of the three have taken the assessment yeah so so the company would have reports and we can do this ad hoc as well by mm. the way so sometimes a company will say we're putting a really important person in post we need to make sure we get the right person and that's a great time for people to come to us because we can support them with that and then they get to it brings it to life mm, for yeah. them um, and we will say to them, you know, ideally, take them to a second interview or, or at the first interview, here are some key questions based on their results. Mm. Um, you know, oh. let's say they all come in and they're all great and you're kind of thinking, oh, maybe maybe then you would make a decision based on experience okay. or qualifications. Okay. Here's some questions to think about. And it could be something, oh, I don't know, it could be that somebody is really really task orientated and actually their ability to um, be really uh, kind of good with people it is not as strong now you might be wanting to hire someone who's going to come in and kick some butt maybe mm. there's maybe there's been some issues within the company and you need someone to drive tasks and you need someone to, to have that kind of you know other things that it could bring up presence about themselves um, then that could mean that that person's the right yeah. person but if, let's say, you've had a tough time and you want somebody who's going to really nurture the staff, and you, then you're going to want somebody who's slightly more people-focused, perhaps. And I'm, I'm talking yeah, about no, surface I, level. I but, totally understand. Yeah. So I guess I'm looking at the time now, and Cameron's going to stop me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll let her slide. <laughs> if someone wanted to learn a little bit more, where can they find sure. you? Sure. Um, so our website, judgmentindex.co.uk, very easy. Um, there's lots in there. There's lots about the different work that we do with care companies as well. You know, we're not we're not just one thing. Yeah. Uh, we we do do kind of all sorts really. There's some videos, more information about our leadership academies as well. Where's the best place to pick up the book? The book's on Amazon. Okay. So yeah, just put the care leaders handbook into Amazon. Um, and and if you ever see it as a at a show, then we should have some copies there as well. So. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. Thanks so, thanks so, so much, Sophie. <laughs> And uh, that was a really another great episode. Again, any of the resources we've talked about, the book, uh, the matrix, anything else that's been mentioned, it'll be in the show notes, so you don't have to rewind and go and find it. It's going to be there in that description. So we'll see you next week, and thanks again for watching and listening. See you next week.